Holidays is an interesting time, isn't it? Um, I got to go away to Ledge Point with my family. Uh, it was so good to be able to experience um, a little bit of what holidaying with my in-laws is like. Again, I haven't done that in a while. No, it was good. It was really good. Um, I, I really, really appreciate my father-in-law. He's, he's such a steady and loving guy. So anyway, while I was in, um, while I was in Ledge Point, I was able to um, just read a few more books and really sink into what it is that God would have for us here in Margaret River. And as I consider that and as I think of where we've come from in terms of this idea of an in- incarnational and missional and a contextual uh, church, and I think about where two or more are gathered, there I am also. When I think about the kingdom of God is drawn near and what is the kingdom of God in terms of those hex squares that I keep throwing up and putting all over the place. Um, and then I think about what Craig said when he says uh, that we're needing to be a watchful people and a contemplative people. And I think about the idea of on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I think about all these things and I think about, well, as I, you know, I really want to dive in and just get in there and, and, you know, but actually what's necessary before we do that is to actually take a step back. And it's good to be reminded of that during holidays. If you're from Perth, which I was hoping there might be a few tourists from Perth come through, but there hasn't. That's okay. If you're from Perth, no, no tourists. Oh, well, that's okay. It's good for us to take a step back every now and again and go, well, actually, what is it that we're looking at? What are we, what are we actually doing? Um, can you flick up that next slide for us, Kirst? So the reason why I say we need to step back every now and again, I used to teach carpenters how to carpent. And as part of that was that uh, every now and again I got asked to go and help um, year 10s and 11s decide what they wanted to be for the rest of their lives. And so I had to run bricklaying courses, uh, just a three-day try out what it is to be a bricklayer. See if you like this feel. And we got to do this and we got a little bit of carpentry, a little bit of something else. But you can see these... Uh, these teenagers here, they're laying bricks. This guy on the, le- on the right here, he loves it. He's, he's like, yay. But notice where he's sitting in comparison to the brick. He is all the way up on that brick. He is all on- He's not going to be able to know whether or not that brick is straight at all because he is so close to looking at where that brick is. He is all up on it. Anyway, and the uh, same with the other ladies. You know, maybe they need to take a step back every now and again. Hang, hang on a second. Has that brick that I've just laid... Is that brick straight? Is it in line with where it's meant to be going? Okay, let's take a step back. Okay, so Lorena asked me when we're on holidays. She says to me, Dad, what are you preaching on this week? I said, oh, mission, you know, theology of mission, mission in the church. And she says, oh, of course you are. (laughs) And she says, hey, Dad, what's mission? Okay, well, actually, uh, it's a person or a group of people that are sent to do a job. And it got me thinking about the mission that we do here. Is it a mission of a group of people that are sent to do a job or is it the mission of a single person that was sent to do a job? So mission defined by the Oxford University Press is given as uh, an important assignment given to a person or group of people and it typically involves travel abroad. You know, like a fact-finding mission to the Czech Republic or whatever. You know, as we're in this holiday space, it's important for us to have a rest on our journey as we do so as a church, and so that we might see where we've come from, but also to take a look at the bigger picture um, and take a step back, make sure we're still on the right track. So if you're joining us this week, you'll see that as a church, we're on a journey to find new contextual incarnational ways to be and do church, both in our 
little c context, our internal context, and our, also our broader context, yeah, the big C church. And as the church slowly descends from its place of authority and prominence in Australia's community, you know, scholars are now suggesting that we have to take a step back and explore the whys of why we do church in this way and what, it, what is church's place in society now? What is church's function in society now? What is our mission? Is it, is it to get people just to join the club? If I asked why does church want people to join it, what would your answer be? Why do we need people in the church? You know, so, you know, it's good for us to take a step back and explore the why of mission so that when it gets to the how and the what of mission, we don't actually come unstuck. Or like my young friend who did everything so up close, we're not finding that we've laid six bricks in a row and then actually, hang on a sec, we have to undo three or four of them because they're no longer on the right path. All right? So does that make sense so far, everyone with me? Everyone say, yeah, Damo. Yeah, good. Okay. So when I say that today's message is on mission, you might go, oh, he's going to talk about going overseas and building houses. No, I'm not going to talk about building houses in Africa. Uh, maybe he's going to talk to us about having a sponsor child. No, I'm not going to talk to you about having a sponsor child, okay? We want to actually focus in on this word, just the word mission, and not missionaries in the normal sense, okay? So the word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means sending or to push out or to propagate. And for today's big idea, I want to suggest to you that the origin of, mi- the origin of mission is not the church, The origin of mission is not the church. The origin of mission is actually God. And it's not just God, it's the triune God in its entirety. So the origin of mission is not the church, and it should not be the church, but the origin of mission should come from the triune God. Now, I'm not sure where you come from today, if you're visiting with us um, or if you're local, but wherever you come from, maybe your church pastor has been saying to you that we need to go out and we need to tell people about Jesus. And I don't know if you've been um, coming here. The last three sermons that I've preached have been on connecting people with the church. And so you might feel like I'm saying, go out and connect people with Jesus. But I wanted to let you know that there's good news for you today if you feel uncomfortable about how you might share Jesus with people in that way. Because... If the initiative of mission doesn't lie in the church and it actually lies with God, then that actually takes the pressure off us to a degree to have to push and to to have to be a useful church. And we're going to do this as a church because this is where mission starts. We've been called to send. No, no. God has sent and God is doing the work, not we're doing the work. Does that make sense so far? Everyone say yeah? Yeah. Okay, so mission happens as God wills it and not as we will it in the church. And it's not as any individual Christian might will it. Like I might come in and I say, oh, we're going to go plant six churches and that's going to be the next. It's like what a human, human thought compared to the glory of God. What a human thought. Anyway, so let me give you two examples of the way that God has worked in the past, the way that God has used his initiative, the initiative inside that trinity, beyond anything of man to be able to expand his effective rule and reign on earth, okay? So let's think about the Christian church, okay? The Christian church has been doing its mission for centuries now, yeah? The, the early Christian church in 300 AD benefited from the Pax Romana. Anybody heard of the Pax Romana? The peace of Rome, 
the peace of Rome, the provision of paved streets, the economic stability that was provided by the Roman Caesar as he um, said, no, actually, this is the way it's going to be. Guards everywhere. You get a stamp. You are a Roman citizen. Welcome to travel anywhere you want. Okay. Can you imagine uh, how fast and how far the spread of the gospel happened because of this peace of Rome that was provided for the Christian church at that time? This is so much further than any man alone would be able to travel with the news. Okay? This is God working in advance of man. This is God working in his mission to send and, uh, and travel and propagate. Could man have timed this? No, this is only by God. Okay, second example. Okay, the Christian church is engaged in bulk colonial expansion from about the 15th century onwards, in my estimation, whatever. Okay, so the colonial expansion of the 17th, 18th century sailing ships pushed Christian missionaries out throughout the world. Okay, 16th century, there were Jesuits in South America. I got to go to Misiones with my wife just after we were married and see the ruins of where the Jesuit priests had gone to, um, to be missionaries to uh, the people in South America there. It was an amazing place. Okay, uh, that's 16th century. To Jonathan Edwards, William Carey in the 17th century. You know, as if the church alone could have come up with the drive to build boats, explore, conquer the world, colonise the world, and reach other nations uh, of the globe with the gospel. Could the church have done that on their own? No, it is only through God's overarching knowledge and initiative that these things are able to actually happen. And so then there's freedom for us in this idea of mission proceeding from the Trinity. Okay, so if you've been in church uh, for a while, then you would have heard the, word, heard the words missio dei. Okay, short for, short for the Latin, missio dei trinitas the mission of the triune God, the missio dei, the mission of God is the focus. It's the reason that we want to introduce people to the gospel and we find its basis in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, where Jesus says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it goes on, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I would love to dive deeper into that, but we just don't have time. But here it is. Here we see it. We see that we are sent. We are sent. Uh, we have been given a mission just as Jesus was sent, just as Jesus and the Father sends us the Holy Spirit. Hang on. Just as Jesus and the Father were sent. Let me see that again. The Father sends Jesus. Jesus and the Father send the Holy Spirit. There we go. Okay, so we hear how the Apostle John relates this story the disciples are now in this room. Jesus has just been crucified. They're scared. Okay, if God is going to tell you anything that needs remembering, you would remember it straight after he's resurrected, right? Is Jesus appears magically in a room. They locked doors, if you read 19 onwards. All of a sudden, hey, peace to you guys. Oh, by the way, I've got a job for you. I've got a job for you, and I've got a job for you, and I've got a job for you. I've got a job for the church. Okay, okay, so we need to be careful here, okay? So it's easy for us to say, okay, well, let's just keep doing church in the way that we've always done it because that's our mission. Thanks, Damo. This is good. We've got a mission. Let's go home. Easy, right? No. Okay, today I want to labor on the importance of the difference between the mission of the church and the mission of God, okay? So that's where we're going for the next half of what we've just uh, done so far. Okay, so 
as with everything that fallen man does, there's a questionable nature to it. To what end are we doing mission? Have we pure intentions as we do this mission? Has the church in the past had pure intentions as it jumped on board the colonization efforts? Everywhere from Native America to Africa, even here in Australia, how has the church fared in bringing people in contact with the kingdom of God? You know, I can't help but wonder at the arrogance that we may present as we come off and as we come out of this huge colonial expansion uh, and we've got, you know, and we've got that and everything sort of follows after it. So if we say, let me explain this a little bit further. So if we say that uh, the English uh, sent missionaries on boats, the missionaries came to Australia, they went to America, they went to Africa, so on and so forth. Basically, the church is formed out of that colonial expansion. We are now living in an age where we have had the church expand and be the bulk of what everybody knows for the past five centuries. And now we're living in a place in Margaret River where actually this is not the case anymore. We're on the decline of that large thing, okay? So let me, let me continue on with this idea of colonial expansion and how this might actually um, pose us problems, okay? Um, and how we need to be careful in our mission, okay? So the founding father of Kenya... Uh, Jomo Kenyatta was noted as saying, when the missionaries arrived, the Africans had the land and the missionaries had the Bible. They taught us how to pray with our eyes closed. When we opened them, they had the land and we had the Bible. Okay, so there's some things that the church has done through the years that we need repenting of. There are some things the church has done that need an apology and all of those that are involved are surely going to receive their due justice as the time comes. For those that are, that are left, we're in this space of the Corpus Christianum, the large body of Christendom, the surviving Christian West. We're, we're part of a large overarching structure that's done a lot of good in the world, but it's also caused a lot of hurt. And one of my favourite ways to engage people in this space in Margaret River is to actually, in actually talking about God, is to actually ask them the question, is the church overall a force for good or a force for evil in the world? How you might answer that would depend on where you come from. You can argue both sides depending on what you think and where your past is. But you'd be amazed how it actually opens a door to be able to talk to people about coming to church or, hey, what is church and what is it about? Yeah. Okay, so... You know, if you're like me, I lean towards the idea of God is a force. No, sorry, not God. I lean towards the idea of church is a force for good in the world. And I'm sure if you're sitting here, then you would also say, yes, church is a force for good in the world. Everyone say, yeah, yes, good. Okay, good, good. Okay, but there's still a lot to be desired. And so we need to step back. Okay, we need to step back. We need to make sure that our bricks are all in line. We need to make sure that we're in the right track and making sure that as we do our mission and as we do all these things, that we know what's going on. Okay, so as we move forward as a church here in Margaret River, we know that our surrounding culture of Margaret River is the most non-Christian in the state. If we were to consider the town from a Corpus Christianum or the Christian West mindset, you know, I'd just keep running the services. Keep running a Sunday service, uh, open the doors, wait for the people just to rock up because they already know about Christianity and they know, oh, hang on a second, uh, I need to be okay with God because we're in a Christian worldview and Christian mindset, so I'm just going to come along to church. Um, but actually, 
I'm not sure that's what God has in mind for us at this time and in this age. I want to get on board with what God is already doing outside the walls. I want to find those Pax Romana spaces. I want to find the the colonizing ships. I want to find where God is moving and I want to live life there. Do you want to find that space too? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, Damon. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Does that mean that you're saying that God is working outside the church and is being missional even when the church isn't involved? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Further to that, it's not only, hang on, further to that, it's only if the church is in alignment with what God is doing missionally, then the church can actually call itself a missional church. Let me say that again. It's only if the church is in alignment with what God is doing missionally, then the church can call itself a missional church. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that's constantly coming alongside what our missional God is doing. Okay? Not only that, I don't want to hinder it. If I see something that is, that is clearly bringing people closer to kingdom values, then I want, to, I want to dolly up alongside that and help it along. Yeah? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like church is just doing what it's always done instead of taking the step outside of itself to see where God is at work. Um, and this backs up that idea of uh, standing and staying inside the colonial uh, West. According to the theologian uh, Jürgen Moltmann, Western ecclesiologies or Western ways of doing church were formulated within the context of a Christianized culture. And so what he's saying is that everyone around the church already knows how to be Christian. But then what do we do with our friends and neighbours who aren't Christian and that they haven't grown up in that space. Maybe they say, oh, I don't believe in God because I don't go to church. In a recent journal article overseen by the World Council of Churches, it says this, if the mission of God depends exclusively upon the mission of the church, the mission of God would be reduced to the mission of the church. And likewise, the activity of the God in the world to the activity of the church. Let me say that again. If the mission of God depends exclusively upon the mission of the church, then the mission of God would be reduced to the mission of the church, and likewise the activity of God in the world to the activity of the church. So question, is God limited to the activity of the church? No, good. Okay, what's the danger of saying that God is limited to the mission and initiatives of the members of the church? What is the danger of that? It becomes idolatry, doesn't it? We say, oh, come into our church because this is where you can meet God. Hang on a second, God up on a shelf. This is idolatry. If we do this, I'm not saying we do this, but if we have a tendency to say, hey, you need to come to church to be a Christian, then that's making God into an idol. And we, we don't want to go there, do we? No, no, good. Okay, good. I think I made my point. Okay, so what does that mean? Uh, but we're saying, hey, come to church. Come to church all, that, all the time, right? Come to church. It's great for you. So do we say that we don't meet in, the, in this way anymore because we're trying to get people to come in and see the, you know, if this is your thinking? No, okay. We're actually commanded to continue meeting, okay? Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not give up on meeting in this way, okay? You need to be encouraged. We need to keep meeting together. But I think it's time for us to admit that the focus needs to turn away from ministry methods and towards missional models in alignment with what God is already doing in our world and in our community. 
Another uh, Jürgen Moltmann quote says, if the church sees itself to be sent in the same framework as the Father's sending of the Son and the Holy Spirit, then it also sees itself in the framework of God's history with the world and discovers its place and function within this history. Does that sound good? It gives permission for God to be working outside of the church and it takes the pressure off us to come up with great ideas as evangelists and it takes the pressure off us bringing people into the church. You know, people, God is always at work and God's spirit is everywhere and not just the church. And it's been there since the dawn of the time. Psalm 139, 7 and 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Can I trust God to be working in advance of me this week before I even think of doing something missional? Yes, absolutely. What's more, I want to lean into these opportunities to be missional more and more. Um, Take a step out of my notes for a second. I was at uh, Ledge Point thinking about this. There were, we went to the Ledge Point Hotel, the country club, where they put on dinner Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Lovely meal, great. We're there sitting at a table. I've got a six-year-old and a ten-year-old, and they're lovely. They're little angels. They really are. Next to me, in the table next to me, there's another family, two kids, one with a daughter just younger than my youngest daughter, and a probably two-year-old boy, and they were struggling. They were having a hard time. And it's amazing to me that I was so caught up in my world that I didn't catch on to what was happening in their world. And they were just in the next table, circular tables. You know, we could have just turned around. In the end, it was the guy that was sitting there that made the comment to me. You know, oh, you're having fun on your holiday. It's like, Damo, you idiot. Here is a guy who is desperate for connection and community. I've got two daughters that would love to be playing with their two kids. And I've missed it because I got caught up in myself. I want to be in that space where I can talk to that guy. In the end, they had to leave early because the kid just got too too far out. But it was amazing to me, this idea of a missional opportunity, someone where I could connect with another family just as I go. As you go, be missional, connect people in with the kingdom of God. How could I have brought that family a little bit of peace? Hey, you, go play with the other kid. Wouldn't that have been great? Anyway, you get the idea. Okay, let's keep going. Look at this gem for God's plan of bringing salvation to the Christian and a Christian ambassador to Ethiopian in Acts verse 8. Okay, God is working beyond us in front of us. Uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40. Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go take the desert road. Go walking. Go for a walk. As you're on the road, by the way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch in charge of the treasury to the queen of Ethiopia. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, was sitting in a chariot. He was already on his way to understanding more about God just because he picked up a book of Isaiah and he was reading it. The spirit told Philip, go near that chariot, stay near it. Philip went near the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah. He says, oh, by the way, I see that you're connecting in with something that's close to the kingdom of God. Do you want some explanation of it? 
And he goes, you know what, I, I don't understand it. Come on up and sit next to me so that we can understand it together. This is great. Okay, what an amazing opportunity God gave to Philip to be able to minister outside of his church context, to come alongside something that God was already doing in this Ethiopian's heart. So God is always working. The Holy Spirit is always working. Jesus is sent by God. Jesus has sent us to join with him in what he's already doing. Okay, so I've got two more things and a couple more stories. Okay. Firstly, so according to theologian George Hunsberger, the church represents the reign of God as a sign and a foretaste of it by its being and action. Did I put up there? No, just sign and foretaste. That's fine. Okay. The church represents the reign of God as a sign and a foretaste of its being and action. Okay. So a sign represents something else and has a and as a foretaste represents something yet to come. The church points away from itself to what God is going to complete. Okay, so sign and a foretaste. Two things that will take us uh, on our mission as church partnering in God's mission. Okay, so let's look at these two things, sign and a foretaste. Firstly, sign. It's the church's mission to be a signpost of the kingdom of God, the effective rule of its king come to earth as it is in heaven a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world through its communal life in the presence of, a Holy, of the Holy Spirit. It's firstly, the church is a sign. The church's mission to be a signpost to the kingdom of God where it's the effective rule of its king has come to, it, on, to earth as it is in heaven, a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world through its communal life and as we have the Holy Spirit in us, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's good. Okay. A few weeks ago, I made the statement that the prevailing and fundamental idea of the church is this. This is what we have to do. Proclamation, fellowship, worship, and service. How does that work in this idea of mission? And as the idea of the church being a sign. Okay. So, um, the church's job to show the world as a sign the reign of God. We're a signpost as we honour him by our proclamation in our worship of his kingship. We're a sign, we're a sign as we bow to him in our worship. We're a sign as we acknowledge his rule and his lordship as he's called us as a unified people. In our fellowship together, we are a sign of the kingdom of God. We are a sign of God's reign. And we're a sign as we serve people and as we are commanded. You know, so it's our job to be a sign to those around us as the church. Okay. Secondly, we're meant to be a foretaste of what it is uh, to come in the world. What, it is, what is it that we hope for in heaven? What do we hope for in heaven? You know, are we hoping for a place where there's no suffering, a place where we can be completely known by God, we can be completely known by each other without fear? The church is meant to be a foretaste of this on earth, and that means that the church should be moving and active in the secular sphere. 2 Corinthians 5 uh, verse 20 says that we're Christ's ambassadors. Where, where does an ambassador live except for a place that he's not actually living? He's, he's an ambassador in a foreign world. Yeah. Okay, I love this quote I came across, and this one's going to be up on the screen. This is in a mission journal that I read. The claim that the church ought to draw nearer to the world does not mean that the church should come to terms with secularism the point is that the true holiness of the church does not consist in pursuing holiness apart from the world, 
but in making the world holy to, in order to realize the reign of God in it. And that's the world that I want to be a part of. We are through our service to our community to be a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom of God on earth. And this means that we're free to explore where it is that God is at work and moving in our community already and, when, and then join in with that. It means that we don't downplay what we see in John 20. We are sent. We are commanded to go out and as we go, draw people into the kingdom. Yeah, but we're very explicitly given this mission by Jesus and then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish said mission in accordance with God's already moving will. Uh, I want to share with you this image that I uh, picked up in my, um, in my preparation. It can be found on the uh, theologian Mike Frost's blog. Uh, it speaks about the difference between missional communities and non-missional communities. And if we put the missional aspect first, then it actually protects us from a number of potential issues that a lot of other churches are facing, uh, in particular consumerist church. Basically, consumer church versus missional church. Depending on which way I think about church is going to determine how I come to church. So if I come to church as a consumer of whatever it is that we do here, uh, the church is then seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to be church to be fed. They have their needs met through a quality program and they have professionals teach their children about God. And that's, I go to church. That's consumer church. But hang on a second. If we think about it in terms of a missional aspect with God's mission and overarching mission at the start of our mindset about why we do church and how we do church, then it becomes this. Missional church becomes a body of people sent on a mission who gather in community for worship, community encouragement and teaching from the word in addition to what they are self-feeding themselves through the week. And missional church becomes I am the church as I go out into my community. As two or more are gathered, there I am, says Jesus. Missional church, go out and be Jesus in the community in that regard. Okay, so we're nearly there. So how does it feel to zoom out from your faith? How, how does it feel to step back, make sure the line's right? Okay. I hope you've been able to see more clearly the reason behind the push for a missional mindset uh, from the early church to Pax Romana, from mission as a way to save the world to mission joined in t- uh, to a colonial enterprise uh, lost in its imperial context, from God being inside the church to actually God working outside and always from the beginning of time. Okay, we can't ignore the starting point of God's missionary act, just like we can't deny the effectiveness of the early Christians' missional activity. We can't deny the effectiveness of God's overarching work with the Pax Romana, with the colonisation efforts in that regard. Okay, enabled by the Spirit, uh, we can't deny that early church that took the sending call of Jesus, the missionary call, very seriously. It helped connect people to the kingdom of God and bring them face to face with the spirit of Christ in his people. So what does the mission outworked in the context of Margaret River Baptist Church look like in the next phase of our teaching? Starting next week in the run-up to Christmas, I want to be looking at the kingdom of God as preached by Jesus, uh, as shown in those hexagonal touchstones that I've already put up there. We'll find that his gospel isn't made up of a number of touchstones that bring people in closer alignment with living in harmony with God. And I'm looking for volunteers to help me come up with ideas about how we could outwork some of these things in the lead up for Christmas. Okay, So uh, how can we bring random joy to people? How can we reflect restoration of community to people? Uh, if we follow these, it'll help us achieve our Missio Ecclesia as we come alongside the Missio 
Dei Trinitas, the mission of the Triune God. All right, we'll find that our goal of know God, share Christ and care for people aligns with this missional mindset and will help us move forward. Okay, so as we close, I want to share uh, one more quote by theologian uh, Emil Brunner, who says this, he says, the church exists by mission just as fire exists by burning. Can you have fire without the burning? Can you have the burning without the fire? Where does the fire come from? Does it come from within or does it come from something out somewhere else? I think I want to leave it there, but you might say to me today, you might say, Damo, I don't care about mission. You might say, I, I can barely keep the roof over my head or I'm having trouble with my family. If only you knew my problems. Okay, you're right. I don't know your problems. I've only, I, I don't know you guys that well. But I know that God does know you that well. I know that God does care for you. And I know that if we can do nothing else as a church for you guys today, that we can pray for you. And I think that's a lot. Why would anyone turn that down? But Perhaps that's you for today. I don't, I don't want to get into this idea of mission. Well, perhaps if that's you today, the message for you today is more about knowing, standing up for, and drawing on the ideals of what it is to live in the kingdom as a foretaste rather than doing the providing of that for others. What does bringing heaven to earth look like in your situation at home or with your family or with your health or what does it look like um, bringing heaven to earth in your economic circumstance? Maybe for those of us that are in a comfortable position, those that know God well and know his heartbeat for those outside the kingdom, and I'll include myself, how can we empty ourselves of this superior colonialism, the Western church mindset? You know, we're already so big. How can we, how can we take ourselves out of that and actually come into this place of being able to drop down? Um, Jesus humbled himself. And so I think we need to humble ourselves. How can we be more aware of those outside our cultural sphere? Where and how are we seeing God's hand moving in our community? How can we come alongside it and give it a push in the right direction? Let's pray together. Lord God, there's a lot of words uh, in there, a lot of uh, theological thought. Lord, it all amounts to nothing without you. Lord, you are the starting point. You are the reason that we are. And you're the reason that we join together in community. Lord, thank you that we can be a part of your kingdom. Lord, help us as we acknowledge your rule and reign in this place as a sign. Lord, help us acknowledge you as we try and make a foretaste of the kingdom of God in our lives, as we encourage other people, as we as we bring the kingdom near to those people. Lord, for those with trouble with family, uh, Lord, those with trouble with economic situations, Lord, trouble with work or... Lord, I ask that you would, you would just make way, make straight paths for people in that situation. Lord, that they can live lives that are holy and set apart for you, but also, Lord, that they can come alongside and minister to those who need it the most in those circumstances. Lord, for those that are in need, Lord, I pray that you would provide. Lord, for those that have plenty, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that we might come along your mission 
in the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.